Let me have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll get rolling this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we just praise you for uh, the amazing work at CSF. Uh, we can't uh, thank all of the students and all of the staff who invest so much uh, to disciple one another, but to go out into a difficult culture and to share Christ in so many ways. So, Lord, we thank you and we're honored that they're with us this morning. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue our series um, with steps. And basically, it's if you were one of those disciples, those early disciples, and you got a chance to hang out with Jesus, and you walk with Jesus. And remember, Jesus walked 22,000 plus miles in his life. What would be the lessons you'd learn? Well, we talked about over the last few weeks, you'd see that prayer really matters to Jesus. Uh, we would see that the Word, the living Word of God, really mattered to Jesus. And we're going to get into something today that we can see really mattered to Jesus, and that is Jesus always exalted his heavenly Father, always. Every breath that he took, every lesson, every parable, every prayer, every conversation, he exalted, he lifted up his heavenly Father. Exaltation, it's huge. Uh, I'm going to share something with you that's very uh, sensitive, and so I've asked Jason to turn off the microphone. I don't want this to be recorded. I, I don't want this to leave the room. Uh, very serious. Uh, this happened last fall in 2016 uh, during the World Series. Uh, I cheered for the Cubs. Now, I don't want that to leave this place, but I actually did uh, cheer for the Cubs. I love, I'm a baseball enthusiast, and History's sake alone, I, I kind of want to see that 108-year spell broken. So that was kind of cool. But I'll tell you what was even more enjoyable was the parade. I watched about an hour of that parade because I could not believe that 5 million people, that is larger than the population of Chicago, 5 million estimated people who came into the city, plus the city, uh, went from Wrigley Field to Grant Park. And if you watch that, all these players are on this double-decker buses, and, and they're just going crazy. The fans, they just were just exalting these players who had brought something home that they hadn't experienced in 108 years. That word exalt is a powerful word. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it means to lift up. In the New Testament, it means to elevate. And I love that. It means to elevate by praise and, or by estimation. In other words, you exalt someone with your words, but you exalt them because there's a high value. And so you find it easy to lift up and exalt someone. The scripture talks a lot about exalting God. Psalms 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. Psalms 99, what a great chapter to meditate on. Verses 2, 5, and 9. Great is the Lord of Zion. He is exalted above all nations. Verse 5, exalt the Lord the God. Worship at his footstool. He is holy. And then verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship on his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. In Psalms 34, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. His name is worthy of exalting. Proverbs 22 says that a good name is better than silver and gold. How important is your name? Think about that. How valuable is your name? When I was a, a kid, I was a little obnoxious and very sensitive about my name. And we had this kid that was even more obnoxious than me in the neighborhood. And um, 
we were out in the yard messing around, his yard, and uh, I don't know why, but he chose a really strange time in this ball game to yell, Robertson, you're a loser, and, and he said something about my dad and said something about the Robertson name. Before he finished the sentence, he took off running because he knew how mad I was, and he ran knowing there was no way I could catch him before he got into the garage, down these three stairs into his house. He was running to his mom, mommy, you know, so he's, his mom's on this door, and he's assuming I'm not going to go after him. Oh, I went after him, and I caught him, and I remember pushing him down these stairs and seeing him crumpled up at the door, and his mom's looking at him. You know, it's my John Wayne moment. I'm like, if he says something about my name again, I'll finish him. Well, it was awesome. Then she called my mom, and my mom broke a couple of the commandments. But anyway, it was, man, it was a rough, rough deal. But here's the deal. I guarantee every one of you have had these moments in your life, somebody said something about your name, and you could feel the blood. Why? Because there's something about your name. It matters. And when Jesus would utter the name of his heavenly Father, it mattered to him. And everybody around, they knew it mattered to Jesus. It should matter to us. Matter of fact, how many of you here uh, are named after somebody in your family or named after a celebrity or something? Raise your hand. Yeah. Our names matter. They really do matter. So much so that it's intriguing to me why people aren't more careful what they name their kids. How many of you grew up with somebody you felt sorry for because of what their parents did to them? Anybody? Maybe you're here today. And if you are, please come down for prayer. I mean, I get it. You're, you, may have, you may be living with a name. Uh, this actually happened in Texas. Uh, there was a governor in 1887. His name was Jim Hogg, H-O-G-G. You'll never guess what he named his daughter. Ima. I'm a hog. Now, seriously, do you ever want her to get a date? I mean, come on. I knew a guy, a minister, his name, his last name was Pitts. Anybody want to guess what they named him? Harry. Why would you do that? Why would you? That's kid. How many times did you get beat up in junior high, Harry? I mean, come on. All of us have names that we can remember. We go, why would they do that? But here's what I love about Jesus is he was always exalting his heavenly Father. Our words matter. How we lift up God with our words, they matter. And as I was praying through this message a few weeks ago, I kept thinking about what do we share about this? And what I kept landing on was a, was a text that all of us have heard, but I want to examine a little closer this morning, and it's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It's part of the Ten Commandments. You Remember, I guarantee you've heard this. King James Version, Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. But it's much deeper than you think, using God's name in vain. If we are really exalting God, that's what Christ did. But when we don't, be careful because we can use it in vain. Gettysburg Address, there's that phrase that says that we highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That means that they had that he died without value, that it's valuable. We know how important that is. Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my favorite movies, it's The Last Crusade. It's the third of that, the great trilogy. Then the movies got terrible. But the third one, The Last Crusade, um, there's a scene that I, uh, I still remember where uh, Indiana Jones uses God's name in vain, and his father, played by Sean Connery, smacks him. And it was just like that moment you realize you don't 
use God's name that way. And I can just tell you, my mom was pretty calm, but if I would have used God's name in vain in her presence in that way, I, I would have I paid for it. And some of you have parents, you may have paid for it too. But what does it mean to exalt God? Well, I want to talk about three ways that we can actually use God's name in vain this morning, if you're taking notes. Number one is we can use his name in vain as a curse. John 3, 17 and 18 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In other words, what does it mean to curse? Now, this is an interesting thing. If you use a singular profanity, a word, uh, matter of fact, growing up, you'd hear that you're using a curse word. But I did a little research, and profanity, one word profanities, that isn't cursing. Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying one word profanities. Cursing is when you put a sentence together. Within that sentence, you curse an individual or you curse God. So when you hear somebody say, go to Purdue, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, but if, when you hear somebody, okay, when they curse someone, okay, that's a sentence that is used. That's where the whole phrase cursing came from. But you can curse God. And when he said, do not use God's name in vain, one of the ways that we can do that is to curse God. I heard a guy one time, and he said, to understand that scripture about using God's name in vain, remember this one thing, God's last name is not damn. But it's more than that. It's much more than that. God's name should be lifted up and exalted in all that we say and all that we do. I have a good friend Years ago, he's a minister, and one of the things he loved to do on the side is uh, ref high school basketball games. Now, why that would be something on the side you'd want to do, but he loved it. And uh, he was refing this game, and it got uh, real tight, heated. And a player on the other team, one of the guards, made a boneheaded mistake. Coach calls timeout, and he's just railing on his team, and he really is getting into this kid's face. And as he's getting in this kid's face, he uses God's name in vain. All of a sudden, whistle blows. My buddy walks over, he goes, technical. And the guy goes, whoa. He goes, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said, uh, you use God's name in vain. He goes, I wasn't even yelling at you. I'm yelling at my player. And he said, plus, it's not a technical to use God's name in vain. Classic line, he goes, it is tonight. It is tonight. Now, I got to be honest. Uh, when I really got serious about my faith, it used to really bother me when I would hear God's name used that way. And I would get angry at the person using, or I'd be in a work situation. Somebody would use that word all the time. And then I came to the realization is, rather than get really angry at the person, I really ought to be praying for them. Because they're using the name in vain that could change their life. The Heavenly Father that gave his son for him, that person needs Jesus Christ desperately. Frustrated? Absolutely. I guarantee some of you in your work environments, you've heard God's name thrown away around so often, sometimes you can get numb to it. I remember asking a group of high school students one time, how many times in a regular day at school do you hear God's name in vain used and the F-bomb? And they're like, John, you don't even want to know. So I understand. But how often are we actually praying for those folks? Last week, 
uh, we were away a few days, and as I, I went for a long walk, and there was, a, there was an older woman with a couple of poodles. One of them got away and tore up something. Boy, she threw it loud. She yelled out God's name in vain. And uh, inside, I'm like, oh, don't do that. And then I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pray for you right now. Now, I didn't go up on her porch and say, obviously, the poodle's demon-possessed. Let me pray for you. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I mean, right there as I was walking, I just prayed. I'm like, God, I just want her to experience you. I want her to know you. Because if she knew you, there's no way. Just immediately, that's the first thing she'd think about saying. Be careful that we don't use God's name as a curse. And second, I'll be careful that we don't use God's name as a weapon. Listen to these words in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things, and out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment, now get this, for every careless word they have spoken. Now again, that's not a t-shirt you want to wear with that phrase, is it? Every careless word you've spoken. We speak a lot of words. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, that women say more than men in the average day. Do you think that's true? Now, I'm on thin ice there, so no need to go farther. But So I, I read an interesting survey. They took men and women both, and if you put it together and you average it all out, we speak about 16,000 words a day. That's the average person, men, women together, about 16,000. So I, I got out a book, and I started counting how many words on an average page, and I figured that on a day, we speak 54 pages worth of words. Now think about that, 54 pages. In your, not your life, but in a year, you speak 19,000 pages. Now think about that. Think of your life, everything was recorded, and every day you get your little 54-page book, and at the end of the year, you get a 19,000-page book. Now, am I the only one that if I took that 19,000-page book and started going through it, that there are complete chapters I would pull out? Isn't it true? Matter of fact, I'd probably go through like, okay, well, there's about six months. I, f- I remember that. You know, we'd, we'd think about conversations we've had, things that we said, cutting words we've made about other people. So be careful that you are representing God, but when you are representing God, but you're using your words as a weapon, you're using God in vain. Because you may be the only Christ anybody ever sees. So when they hear you shredding somebody else, Proverbs says that our words can actually be like an arrow that pierces, then people say, well, if that's the way a Christian acts and they talk like that, you know what you're doing? You're using his name in vain. You're not adding value to God. Man, that is a tough, tough place to be. Words that cut are words that judge people are watching. Uh, The first job I had out of college uh, first uh, job while I was in college, excuse me, I was working with a guy, and about two weeks into this, he said, dude, there is something wrong with you. And I'm like, really? Is it my work? I mean, what do you mean? He goes, two things. Number one is, you never talk about beer. 
everybody else loves that. Why don't you talk about beer? And I'm like, I just, I don't drink. And boy, now that was a great conversation. It's what in your right mind, you know. This is Budweiser country, by the way, in St. Louis. And then he goes, uh, you know, and you don't cuss. I mean, like the other day, uh, I saw you like completely jack your hand up and you didn't say anything. You screamed like a girl, but you didn't. <laughs> What's up with that? And it was interesting because I was like, okay, well, here's, I didn't want to, I'm actually trained to be a minister. Boy, that's a great crowd breaker. And then he's like, that's so weird. But what's interesting is he wasn't watching how holy I was or if I went to church. Isn't it interesting he wants to know, your mouth tells me an awful lot about who you are. Our mouths tell us a lot about who we are. And then last of all is that we can use God's name in vain as an endorsement. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Now, this is, now I, I want you to hear this so that it doesn't come across like I'm being judgmental. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is be careful that you're not using God's name for financial profit. Now, again, let's say you have a business and you want it to be a, what I mean, a Christian-run business. In other words, I want it to be a character-driven business by all means. Or let's say in your business, you have a cross or you have a scripture because you want people to know this is my foundational belief. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about using God's name or the name of Jesus to make profit. Let me give you a few examples. There are Christian breath mints. Are you aware of that? Christian breath mints. Because the pagan breath mints are terrible. You know, <laughs> there are Christian uh, mud flaps for your truck. Uh, you can go on and on with some of the ridiculous... Uh, there are ball caps. There's an interesting company that has Jesus ball caps, and one of them has a logo, Jesus is coming, look busy, okay? On and on and on. So when you take the name of Jesus and you use it to make profit, be careful of that. And on a very serious note in regards to this is the Bible tells us in Matthew 5, or excuse me, 7.15 and other spots throughout the scripture, be careful of false, what? Teachers. Because what a false teacher does is they take the name of Jesus and they create financial profit. And what's really sad is they prey on the vulnerable and it makes God nauseous. To be honest, it makes me nauseous. Listen, I remember starting my ministry uh, through the 80s I don't know if you remember some of the TV evangelists in the 80s and the 90s. Are you kidding me? And the church took a major hit because of that. Because there were literally people who were using other people in the name of God for financial profit. I mean, not just profit. I mean, ridiculous wealth. And it's wrong. It's using God's name in vain. God never intended for us to use his name so that we can somehow get a foothold on major profits. It's terrible. Here's one of the things that I love about Sherwood Oaks and our elders, uh, Don Rader. Uh, I just love Don. I love his heart. and I love our elders. And one of their primary responsibilities are they hold us, anybody on staff, accountable. And that's critical. I mean, you need to know that. Like if I doctrinally get off track if there's something in my life morally, if there's something I'm off track, you need to know the elders are going to come to me. There is none as, John, you do whatever you want. It doesn't work like that. And you know what? That's the way it's supposed to work. And I'll be honest, over the years, I've seen ministers who are not held accountable. They kind of just do what they want to do. 
And folks, that's dangerous and it is wrong. But I got to tell you, um, I'm thankful because our elders do hold us accountable. And one of the reasons is this, it's too important that we exalt the name of God in everything that we do. Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I'm going to share a very short video clip, and I had a hard time knowing whether or not to show this because it's Tom Brady. Now, before you walk out, uh, I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, but uh, before the Super Bowl, uh, something really intriguing happened. Uh, they have, they call it press day, and the players actually can't stand press day because they get asked nothing but ridiculous questions that have nothing to do with football, and uh, they, have to, they are required to be there. Well, uh, a seven-year-old came up to Tom Brady and asked him actually a pretty profound question. And the question was simply, who's your hero? So I just want you to watch this. I think my dad is my hero because he's someone that I look up to every day. And uh, my dad. I want you to think about that. I watched that more than a few times because it, it cuts straight to the heart of something. This wasn't just a random question and I'm going to answer it with a plastic answer. You can just tell what hit him was, my dad is my hero every day. And when I think about Jesus, I think every time when he would lift up his father's name, it wasn't like a sermon. That's his dad. And they knew that. Everybody listening, they knew that. Now, I don't think a kid ran up and said, Jesus, who's your hero? But I think Jesus would have said, well, if you want me to be honest, that would be my dad, my Heavenly Father, every day. He's our hero. And we exalt him with every word that we lift up. We're called to exalt him because he matters that much. One of my heroes in the faith is a missionary. His name is George Mueller. If you ever get a chance, uh, Google and research George Mueller. And he said this, In the greatest difficulties, in the heaviest trials, in the deepest poverty, and in necessities, he has never failed me. But because I was enabled by his grace to trust him, he has always appeared for my help. And I love this. I delight in speaking well of his name. Let's live a life not in vain. Let's live a life of purpose because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let me have a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts for communion. Heavenly Father, we come before you and... Um, we cannot thank you enough for how you valued your Heavenly Father with every word that you spoke. And Lord, I just pray that, uh, first of all, that you'll forgive me for the times that not just using your name, but in my life that I've lived a life in vain because I haven't demonstrated your love for me. Lord, be with us as we prepare our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.